Hey, it's the only thing that will wash you white. Amen. Only thing. Acts chapter 27 is where we'll be this morning. Acts chapter 27. If you can flip there in your Bible, you want to turn. I won't have all the scriptures that Pastor always has up for you because we'll go a little bit all over the place this morning. And how many of you thankful for God's mercy this morning? I certainly am, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to, uh, to come to the house of the Lord and to praise His name. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach, to stand in this pulpit and in Pastor Stead this morning, preach the word. And You know, my mentor, Dr. Roger Baker, used to say this. He used to come to the sound man, and he'd always go to the sound man, and when they were handing this little black box, you know, that we speak into, the, the lapel mic and the, the transmitter, he'd always ask them, did you put a good message in there? And uh, so I asked Jamie this morning, I said, you put a good message in here. And uh, so you'll, you'll know if it's not good, it's Jamie's fault. Amen. <laughs> it's always the sound man's fault. And uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, he was practicing earlier cutting off. That was for me. That wasn't really for the singing. Sorry about that. He was just trying to get ahead to, to, to be able to mute me. I'm just kidding. Uh, how many of you appreciate sound men? You never know they're there until something goes wrong. Amen. And I'm telling you what, I appreciate and I'm going to tell you what, I, I preach all over the place, and we got some good ones here, because uh, things just go smooth for the most part all the time. So, Acts chapter 27 is where we'll be this morning. You know, no matter where I go, one thing I've noticed in life, no matter where you are, you can go to the prettiest place, the most peaceful place, the most beautiful place ever created. There's one thing I've noticed in life that is true about every place you go, and that is this, there are storms. Have you ever noticed that? Just a few weeks ago, we were on a cruise. We went to, the, we went to Bermuda. I think I said last week in our, our growth group, we went to Bahamas. I didn't even remember where I went. But we went to Bermuda, and uh, that was one of the prettiest, uh, most beautiful. You say, that's the same two words. It's not. It's that pretty. The prettiest, most beautiful, friendliest, by the way, places I've ever been in my life. People were just, you'd be, we were riding these scooters, and we were riding them all across the, uh, I call it a country, an island, whatever in the world it was. We're riding these scooters, and, and we'd, we'd have to stop. GPS wouldn't work there, so we'd have to stop and get out a map every once in a while and figure out how many road, wrong turns we'd made and trying to figure out where we are. And They'd just pull up beside you, what you looking for? And, and they'd holler out at you, and you'd tell them what they're looking for. They'd either tell you exactly how to get there then, or they would actually tell you, just follow us, we'll take you there. And we'd follow them in our scooter, and we'd end up at the location. I mean, beautiful place, friendliest place, and so forth. And, but you know what I noticed there? Even there, storms came. We were going across, we were riding in the scooter, and next thing I know, it's the most beautiful day, and next thing you know, here's these dark clouds, and it just lets go, and it pours on top of our head. Now, I guess we were too redneck to care. We just kept riding our scooters anyway, and just kept going. But it reminded me of that truth, that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, storms will find you. Can I get an amen right there? I've noticed as I've had the opportunity to preach in churches all over, the one thing in common, people are going through storms. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. That means it doesn't matter if you're saved. That doesn't make you immune from storms. It just tells you we have somebody to help us through our storms. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, sometimes we come in too, too nonchalant. We put on our church clothes and our church smile and our church attitude, right? How you doing, brother? Never been better, right? Y'all, y'all, we bought, some of you probably said that this morning, right? <laughs> And sometimes that's true for sure. But sometimes I have found we're masking something. Because deep down inside, look around you. 
I guarantee you there's some people going through some storms right now. Storms you don't know about, maybe we'll never know about. But struggles they're really having. That old saying is true. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or look on yonder on the horizon because there's one a-brewing and there's one coming. So what do we do when the storms come? That's the question. Well, in our text this morning, we're going to see that a big old huge storm coming. And it's going to hit right on the ship that the Apostle Paul is in. And we're going to look at some history from it for sure and, and, and learn the context and so forth. But there's some application from this storm. I think if we applied it to our lives, it will help us. Not if the storms come, but when the storms of life come. I'm reminded of Charlie Brown. and I maybe used to read that old comic strip. And he had a comic strip one time, and he, in this, in this, he was building this big old sandcastle. And he had gotten done after hours and hours of work. His sandcastle was done, and beautiful. He stands back, and he's kind of admiring his work. And just then, a storm blew in and blew it all down, leveled it all out in sand. And he looked down there at it, and he said, I know there's a lesson in this. I just don't know what it is. You know, the storms of life, when they come in our life, they reveal a few things about us. I wrote down a few. They won't be on your screen, but I wrote down a few. You know, they reveal this. I think they reveal the nature of our faith. How we hold up when the storm comes. I think they reveal the strength of our commitment. I think they show when the storms of life come, the, the level of our maturity. Shows the healthiness of our attitudes too, doesn't it? How does a storm affect you and knock you all around? And I think it shows the measure of our teachability. How teachable are you? This morning. Context, Acts chapter 27. Paul's on a ship. And he's a prisoner. And he's there with other prisoners. And he's under the supervision of a centurion named Julius. They're, they're on their way to Rome is what's happening. A, a typical voyage to Rome was made by selling, uh, they would say, back the historian said, from Alexandria to, to Rome on what they called an ocean-going vessel back in those days. And, but Paul's not on one of those. I, I don't know if any weren't available. I don't know why. But the centurion had, had placed Paul on what they called a coastal vessel. And what a coastal vessel would do would just kind of go not too far out, would make little stops from town to town and so forth and get there. And so after a bunch of ship change, a couple storms and strong winds, and, and after Paul had just warned the leadership he's, that they should hold out for the winter, we, we better stop, we better not go on to Rome today, we should hold out for the winter because yeah, as I studied history it was found that it's considered dangerous to sail on the open Mediterranean from October to about mid-March. And Paul warned them about the impeding danger, but the centurion did this. He, he believed the captain of the ship who said, it's, it's good, we'll go, more than he believed God's man. And they sailed right in to the storm. And let's pick up our reading right there to, to Acts chapter 27, verse 14 this morning. The Bible says this, but not long after... There arose against it a tentuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, uh, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, they strake sail and so were driven. And it became exceedingly tossed with the tempest. The next day the, they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars appeared, uh, in many days appeared, and no small tempest laid on us, 
all hope that we should be saved was taken away. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. The storm's upon them. How bad's the storm? Look back with me, verse 14. It causes a tempestuous wind, a, a Eurocladon. The, 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 the tempestuous has an idea of a, of a whirlwind, if you would. The Eurocladon was a fierce northeaster. As we'd say in the south, it's a big one. And it was a big one that came in. It was a fierce northeaster. The ship was driven off course by the wind. They, they had tucked behind an island trying to, trying to work out the boat and strengthen it. They feared they were going to be driven into a sandbar, so they, they sailed back out. In verse 18, the, the Bible tells us that they're, they're getting tossed around to and fro, if you would. And they apparently were taking on water because in verse 19, they're trying to lighten the load a little bit, throwing, throwing out overboard tackle and furniture and mother-in-laws, or I'm just kidding or whatever in the world they had to, could do to lighten the, lighten the load a little bit. And, and then in verse 20, we see after many days had passed, and they'd been in this storm, tossed to and fro, and about to, uh, uh, just, just fearing even for their life, and not seeing the sun or stars in all those days. The Bible says that all hope was taken away. They should be saved. Let me ask you a question. You ever been through a storm where you were tossed to and fro? like that you ever been through a storm where where you were taking on some water you ever been through a storm in life it seemed like it just kept going and going and going that's what the energizer bunny was named after <laughs> you ever been in a storm where there was no seemed like there was no ray of light from the sun with stars seemed to disappear where it seemed like all hope was gone if we get real honest with this most of us have been there what do we do when those times come not if, but when. How do you handle it? I want to look at our text this morning because I believe God's going to teach us some principles that will help us to learn to be like the Apostle Paul and how to handle the storms of life. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you this morning. We thank you for the word of God that we've read. We thank you, Lord, for, for what's yet to come. And I pray for the next little bit, Lord, that each and every person in this room listening online and this preacher as well, Lord, would would just heed to your word this morning. Lord, we understand the Bible's given us a record of a real event and a real thing that happened in real life to real people here. But Lord, you recorded it. You inspired it to be recorded, I believe, for a deeper reason as well. Not just so we'd know history, but Lord, so we could have application that we could apply to our lives to help us when the storms of life came. Help us to learn those lessons today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What to do when the storms of life come? Number one, I wrote just down this truth. is simply this. Remember the presence of God. Remember the presence of God. Look at verse 21 as we keep going through the text. The Bible says this, but after a long abstinence, in other words, Paul's been quiet, if you would, and he's been kind of disappeared, and it, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and, and not have loosed from Crete. To have gained this harm and loss. In verse 22 he says this. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me in this night the angel of God. Whose I am and whom I serve. So here he is. Paul stands up and he gives them a message. And he, he, he first tells them. Listen you should have listened to me in the first place. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes we get some of the biggest messes we get in. If we would just listen to them in the first place, we wouldn't have got there. Especially God's man. And, and, but, you know, here's what I want you to see this morning. Is he didn't stay there. 
He didn't just keep harping on that. Sometimes that's what we as Christians do. Well, if you wouldn't have done that, I you, you wouldn't be in this mess. It's okay to tell them they messed up and remind them sin is sin, right? But I want to tell you, those are spiritual are supposed to restore, brother. Not just keep putting them down, criticizing. Because look what Paul does. He, he reminds them they were wrong. You should have listened to God's man in the first place. But you get to verse 22. The next thing we see him doing is exhorting. He says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Uh, he encourages them. And he tells them there will be no loss of life. Now, how did he know that? How did he know there's going to be no loss of life? Well, look at verse 23. The Bible says that the, the, an angel of the Lord, the Bible says, for there stood, Paul says, for there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I served. And the Bible says, the Lord had told him, there shall be, in verse 22, there shall be no loss of life, man's life. So Paul stands up and says, listen, I know the storm is bad. I know, listen, it's out of control. I know you can't see the beginning from the end. But I'm going to tell you, don't, don't be fearful. Don't just be of good cheer because I know God is with us. God showed up when I needed him the most and gave me a word. And here's what he said. He said, you're going to be all right. Can I tell you, whatever your storm is, God's trying to tell you this morning, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. He reminded whose I am, I love that, and whom I serve. It really matters whose you are. Amen. You belong to the Lord this morning. And it matters whom you serve. And I hope you serve him. Paul never forgot that God was with him. Can I remind you in your worst storm this morning, God's still with you. Amen. If you've been born again by the grace of God, if you've had a time and place in, in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you repented, that literally means I changed my mind and I believed the gospel. I put my full weight, trust, confidence in the fact that Jesus died for me, was buried for me, rose again for me, and, and I called upon his name and by faith I received the free gift of eternal life, then you are now a child of the Most High King. Amen. You're a child of God, and God is with you. Remember the presence of God. I like how the Pro uh, Proverbs 18, 24 reminds us, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Even in your storm, he's there. That's what I want you to know. Hey, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You ever read that one backwards one time? Try that. Let me read it to you. I mean, you read it backwards, here's what it says. Uh, thee forsake, nor thee leave. That's hard to do. Never will I. That promise is as good forward as it is backwards. Amen. Hey, I'm just telling you, when the, when, the, when the times, when the storms come in your life, if you're a child of God, God is with you. No matter what circumstance, no matter how bad the storm, remember the presence of God. That's what Paul did. He remembered the presence of God. The psalmist wrote about that truth, Psalm 139. What a passage. Uh, tells us all about, the, the, about God being all-powerful, God being always present. He tells us that in Psalm 39, Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my, my path with my lying down or acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. He knows everything. Amen. Thou hast beset behind me and before me, and thou hast laid thine hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall the, thy hand lead me, thy right hand shall hold me. In other words, here's what God's saying. 
for a child of God, there's nowhere you can go where he won't be with you. Amen. He knows everything. He is everywhere. And that's what Paul remembered. He remembered God is present. And he remembered whose he was and whom he served. And don't ever forget that this morning. Whom's you, whose you are and whom you serve. Remember the presence of God when the storms of life come. The second thing I wrote down was simply this. Remember the providence of God. Remember the presence of God, but remember the providence of God. Look on with me in verse number 24. The Bible goes on to say this. Saying... Here's Paul still speaking. Fear not. This is what the angel, I'm sorry, this is what the angel told Paul. The angel told Paul, fear not, Paul, that thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. Fear not, Paul. That's what he says. Fear not. The providence of God. You said, what do you mean by that? Can y'all believe God's in control? How many believe he's a supreme being? I know there's people that go to seed on that and get way off but I, and, and take away man's free choice. But I'm just telling you, hey, both are true. <laughs> I don't know how you reckon all that, but I, that's above my pay grade. But I just say both are true. God's in control. God's supreme being over all, and he gives us free will. I, I don't understand that, but here it is. Here, since God's over all, and God, God says not to fear, he tells his man not to hear it. Fear not, Paul. And God just doesn't tell Paul, though. He tells everybody. Not to fear. Do you know in the Bible, I've read these things, you've probably seen it too. Uh, uh, there's 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day. How many of you have seen those things fly around in memes and so forth? I never found 365, I'm going to be real honest with you. I did find 62 of them when I looked, though. <laughs> 62 fear nots in the Bible. You want to hear them all? Nah, he said I got to be done by 1.30, so I better not do that. <laughs> 62 times that I found anyway, and I'm not that smart, so maybe there's some more, but the 62 times in the inerrant, infallible word of God, it says, fear not. Genesis 26, 24, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee. Deuteronomy 31, 6, I love this one. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isaiah 43, 5 says, fear not, for I am with you. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to tell you, friends, not if, but when the storm comes, remember this, when it seems like all hope is gone, God's still saying, I'm with you, and fear not, because I am in control. I got this, is probably the way we'd say it today, right? No, you ain't got it, but God's got it, amen? And I'm thankful he's got it, because I'm the one that probably got me in the mess in the first place. Somebody say, amen. Thankful we can turn it over to him. And when you're living in the spirit of fear, can I remind you this? That's not from God. The spirit of fear is not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7, the Bible tells us that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey, anytime that fear starts to take over, hey, I'm not criticizing you for getting there. We all get there. I'm just trying to tell you that's not from God. God don't want you to live under that, under that mess. And, and he's just trying to tell you, fear not, fear not, fear not. Cast those, those thoughts of fear, just cast them down. I like how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. We don't have to fear because God is in control. And because God's in control, here's some things we can know. We can know, number one, under that, that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Look back at verse 24. The Bible says, saying, saying Fear not, Paul, that thou uh, be brought, must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. 
Paul must be brought before Caesar, he says. Paul must be brought before Caesar. God had already determined that Paul was going to go to Rome and, and, and there isn't a storm in the world or in the depths of hell that are going to keep God's plan from being accomplished. How many of you believe that this morning? Can I remind you this? Paul only had a plan for Paul's life. He's got a plan for your life this morning. And while we sometimes go through some uh, storms because of poor decisions we've made, you ever been in one of them? <laughs> Don't you think God can't still accomplish what he wants to accomplish out of your life? Because that's our God, amen? That's our God. That's where he specializes coming in. Have you ever taken a wrong turn and ended up in the middle of nowhere on a trip? <laughs> Going down some windy road and out, added minutes or hours onto your trip and so forth. I know we don't do that as much with the GPS today, but, but we used to do that all the time. Guess what? Even though you took a wrong turn, did you get to your destination? Hmm. I mean, you're here today, right? You're not still lost somewhere out there. Maybe you took a wrong turn and ended up here. I don't know. But, but you got there, didn't you? Hey, sometimes we make some bad decisions in life, but don't, God can still get you to where he wants you to be in life. There's no storm, no trial, no raging sea, no tempest that was going to stop Paul from getting to Rome because God had determined, Paul, you are going to Rome. And God has a plan for your life too. I don't know what yours is, but I can tell you this. He's got one, and it's good. Amen. And if, even if you made some wrong terms, he's the same God that can start, still turn beauty, make beauty from ashes. That's my God. I would tell you that God's still got a plan for you. Remember his providence, but he's also got some people to help you. Look at verse 24 as you go along. The Bible says, Fear not, uh, saying, Fear not, Paul, that thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all men that sail with him. Paul didn't have to go through the storm alone. There was, there was a ship full of people. In fact, we'll learn a little later. There's 276 on there. 200, I, I did my math. I had to add up those scores and all that stuff to get it. But 276 people on there with him. How many of you thankful for the, for the providence of God that's brought people in your life to help you? Uh, I mean, family and friends. And how, Hey, in the church, how about your pastor? I'm certainly thankful for my, our wonderful pastor. I don't know about you. Hey, he's there to help us, to guide us, and he, he's a shepherd from God's word. Jeremiah 33, 15 said this, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And God's ordained others to help you too. In the church age in Ephesians 4, he said this, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, all for this, for the perfecting of the saints. Perfecting there doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It literally means for the maturing, for the completion, to helping us grow up, basically, to help us in our walk. And so God's given us all these, all these gifts and all these people to come alongside of us, and they'll be there with you through the storm. Might be your pastor. Might be a Sunday school teacher. Might be some visiting redneck preacher. I don't know. Hey, it might be your deacon, a teacher, a spiritual man or woman in your church. Y'all know the spiritual ones, right? That's the ones that don't criticize and gossip all the time. That's the one to come alongside and try to help you and build you up through even your mistakes. God uses them all to perfect you, to complete you. In the providence of God, he has sent some people to help you through your storm. Paul was the same way. He wasn't alone. God had people to help him through a storm. And, and, and Look at verse 25, but here's what makes all the difference. It says this, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. 
Look at these next four words. For I believe God, Paul says. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. For I believe Paul. Hey, God had sent an angel to help him and remind him he was with him and that he was in control and Paul was going to end up being, he was going to make it and they're always going to be good and be of good cheer, remind everybody else to be of good cheer, don't fear and all that. But listen, somebody can tell you that over and over and you may know that truth in your head over and over. If you don't apply it to your life, you're going to live in fear. Do you believe God or not? Not just do I believe God can save me. Thank God he can. We'll see that in a minute. But I'm talking about God will be with you and help you through the storms of life. That's the question. Do you believe him or not? Do you believe him? See, Paul could have not believed, but he said, oh, I believe God. And you must must decide whether you believe God in the midst of the storms. You believe God's still got a plan for your life, even in the storm? I believe he does. Paul remembered the providence of God, that God had a plan for him, that God had people to help him. He remembered the presence of God, but keep looking. Look at verse 26. He also remembered this. Number three, the power of God. He remembered the power of God. And verse 26, the Bible says this, how be it, we must cast upon a certain island. But when, when it was the 14th night was come and we were driven down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and it sounded and found it 20 fathoms, and you say, what's a fathom? That's about six feet, so 120 feet roughly they are, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. In other words, they're getting closer and closer and closer to land. Then fearing lest they should have fallen on the rocks, they cast uh, their four anchors out their stern and wished for the day, and so they cast them out. And Paul tells them, listen, they're, they're, he, he'd remind them, 26, hey, they're, they're going to crash into a, a certain island, but even though they're going to crash, he, he'd remind, told them this wonderful thing that was going to happen. Don't forget, God said we were going to make it. Back in verse 24, look back there at the promise that was already given to him. He said, saying, fear not, thou must be brought forth Caesar. God hath given all them that sail with him. He, God, God had a plan for every one of them. And he promised to every one of them we're going to be okay. But just like many of us do when the storms come, the people on the ship start to doubt God's power. They start to doubt that, uh, that God could do what he said. And they start trying to figure things out on their own. You ever been there? I know I'm in a mess. Instead of just going to God, I'm just going, I gotta, I'll figure this out. Now, remember, we're the ones that got us in the mess in the first place, usually. So our own personal advice, probably not the best one to follow to get us out of the, the mess that we're in. And they start to figure things out. They feared even after God said not to fear. And their fear crippled their faith. And verse 29, they start to cast down the anchors. And they started to cast them out. Can I tell you, the worst thing we can do when, when the storms of life come is try to fix them in our own power and our own strength. How many times do we exactly do exactly what they did? We need to realize, like David did in 2 Samuel 22, 33, God is my strength and my power. By the way, the purpose of the storm in your life may have been just to teach you a little humility and learn to rely on God instead of yourself. How many of you had to learn that lesson a bunch of times? I'm ashamed I have had to learn it a bunch of times. How about you? <laughs> I wish I could learn it one time and get it. I'm, I'm a little hard-headed, I think, and God's got to work on me even harder. And James still says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. We need to remember, even in the storm, we need to remember the power of God. The power of God. He said, what can God do? Well, he can save them. Look at verse 30. Look what happens here. The Bible says that, 
And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. They, they, they'd cast, they fear now in verse 29, they're living in fear. They, they think they're going to fall on the rocks and they got the anchors in the stern. They're wishing for day and, and they're about to flee from the ship, the Bible says. When they let the boat out to sea under color, as though they would cast out anchors from the foreship. Here's what it's saying. Under color is an old King James word that means under pretext. In other words, here's what was happening. They were pretending to lower the anchors. They were really lowering the skiffs or the the lifeboats and saying, we're out of here. We're getting out of this place and uh, we're out of here. Some of them had planned to flee and even tried to save themselves is what they were doing. Can I tell you, we're living in a day. That's where most people live. They think they can save themselves. You know, if I live good enough, if I do a good, good enough, enough good deeds, if I, you know, if I have these scales and my good outweighs my bad, then, then I get to go to heaven, right? I mean, I'm better than half those church people. Surely he's going to let me in. Listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, my Bible says. Hey, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, Titus 3, 5. And listen, if you're ever going to make it, if you're ever going to get to heaven, it won't be by anything you've done. It's without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, the Bible teaches us. It'll only be by what Christ has done in our stead, and that, that, that'll be all it is. Uh, the Bible goes on to say that there is a debt to pay for our sin debt. How many of you know Romans 6.23? I'm sure you know that. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's an eternal separation from a holy God is what that means. The wages, there's a payment due for our sins, and it's, it's called death. And, and, but thank God the verse doesn't end there because it goes on to say this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God he, he provided a way, and the only way, you're either going to pay your sin debt, and you're going to pay it by spending an eternity separated from God in a place called hell, or you can accept the free gift that Jesus offers when he says, hey, I bled and I died on that cross to pay your sin debt for you. I was buried, I rose again, and if you put your trust in me, I'll give you the free gift of eternal life. What a deal. He takes our sin on his body on that tree, the Bible tells us, and he gives to us his righteousness. I want to tell you, he has the power to save. Not just our souls, though, but when you're in the storm, too. He's got the power to save you through the storm. We've got to quit relying on our own strength for stuff, don't we? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. You say, well, how do you get that? How do you receive that? If I've, I've never asked him to save me, I'm glad the Bible tells us how, too, don't you? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I love that word, confess. It means more than just agree. It literally means say the same thing God says. It comes from a Greek word called homo logo. It means same words. It means say the same thing God says. What's God say about me? Well, he says I'm a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says I can't, he says I can't save myself. Listen, no, not a, there's not enough good works I could ever do. It's not by by works of righteousness we, we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. Hey, it's the free gift of God. And he says this, I'm not my own savior, that Jesus is him. There's none other name given over heaven amongst men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Hey, confess, agree that you're a sinner. Agree that Jesus is the savior, is the idea there. And by faith you can receive the free gift that thou shalt be saved. Confess out of your mouth. Why, believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. That's the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection. And the power of God and the word of God says, thou shalt be saved. Isn't that good news? That he has the power to save this morning. But you've got to confess and believe. Do you ever have a time or place where you've done that? Gotten that settled? 
But he's also got the power to help you through. These soldiers were confronted with the truth that the only way they were going to make it was to stay on the boat. And, uh, and uh, look at verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. They finally got the message. And so what did they do? Look at verse 32. The Bible says, Then these soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, and they let her fall off. In other words, they finally obeyed God. They cut the ropes, if you would, uh, uh, theologically or, or metaphorically, of, of their way of getting saved, of their way of making it, and they just trusted in God to save them from the storm. They stayed in the ship. There's some of you in this room, maybe lifts in the live stream, you need to do the same thing. You need to cut your way of thinking you're going to make it and realize there's only one way to make it, and that's putting your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank God he has the power to save. Thank God he's got the power to help you through your storms and cut off the ropes. But not only does he have the power to save, I wrote this down, he has the power to sustain. He has the power to save us, but he has the power to sustain. Look at verse 33 as we keep rolling. The Bible says this, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat. This is the 14th day which they've tarried and continued fasting. Can you imagine 14 days of a storm like this? No sun, no stars. That's a long time, isn't it? Wherefore, I pray you take some meat for this, for your health. For there shall not be a hair fall from the head of any of you. What a promise from God. Hey, not one single hair is going to fall, he tells them. And God provided their need and food to sustain them and meet their needs. How many of you thankful God meets our needs? Even in the storm. Uh, Philippians 4, 19 says, but, still says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. In Christ Jesus. Hey, that encourages me, friend. That means no matter what the storm is, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial even, hey, God has the power to sustain us and meet our needs, even in the storms of life. God has the power to save us, sustain us. He has the power to strengthen us. Look, verse 26, or 36, sorry. The Bible says there, Then were they all of good cheer, and, the, and they also took some meat. I know there were Baptists right there. It wasn't until they got something to eat were they happy. Amen. <laughs> and they were all in the ship. 200, three score and 16 souls. Y'all do that math. That's 276 of them. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out uh, the wheat into the sea. And so the Bible tells us, hey, it's reminding us that he has the power to sustain us. He has the power to strengthen us. And he has the power to save us. And look, thank God he was there with them the whole time. I lost my spot. Of good cheer. Isn't that something? Be of good cheer. Literally means being good spirits. In the middle of a storm, 14 days being tossed to and fro, they're told to be of good cheer. They got food and they were. It illustrates this truth. No matter what the circumstances of life are, and I tell you sometimes we we get too caught up in the circumstances and don't focus on Christ enough. Sometimes too much in the situation, don't focus on the Savior enough. No matter what circumstance, no matter what storm you're going through in life, your attitude is still your choice. That's what it teaches us. Did y'all know that? I can illustrate that for you. You ever been in one of those bad moods? I mean, you're fussing. Hopefully you're not cussing, but you're fussing and you got a bad attitude running around the house, blah, 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 blah. And your phone rings, and it's your best friend. 
how you answer that phone. Hey! Your attitude did a 360 in two seconds. It's proof your attitude is your choice. Here's what I'm trying to say. They could be of good cheer. Even in a storm where they had been, they think they're going to die. 14 days they hadn't seen the sun or the stars. And they think like, but they were of good cheer because they believed God was with them. But that'll only come when we get our eyes off the storm and put it back on the Savior. I'm not minimizing the storm. I'm just saying he's greater than the storm. Amen. And we quit trusting our own strength and our own power and start trusting in the power and the strength of God. Jesus said it this way, These things I have written unto you that you may have peace. He said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have what? Overcome the world. And all these people, it tells us, were of good cheer, at least after they got their belly full. 276 of them that appeared to be doomed are all going to make it. Not one hair is going to fall from their head, the Bible says. Hey, you say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you when the storms of life come, remember the presence of God. Remember the providence of God. Remember the power of God. And lastly, I want you to see this. Remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. Remember God promised them they were going to make it. Not one hair was going to be done. If they stayed on the ship, they were going to be fine. Let me tell you one other thing I've learned about storms in life. That's true about every one of them. They eventually end. Isn't that good news? <laughs> they come to an end. There, there's a point at some point the storm goes away. We were riding those scooters and pouring down on our head. And I'm trying to figure out, I'm supposed to be the leader up front on the scooters. Are we about to wreck? Should I pull over? What are we going to do? I said, storm's in. Keep on riding, baby. <laughs> you know what ended up happening? Sun came back out. It was beautiful again. We just rode through the storm. And I was praying the whole time, so I had God's help, amen. <laughs> but look at what they did to make it through. Grab hold of this and we'll be done. Just three quick truths, application to help you. Look what they did to make it through. Number one, I put this, when they realized the promises of God, they committed to God's plan. Verse 40, the Bible says, And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. Y'all see what they did? God said, stay in the ship. We won't lose a single hair. Listen, instead of me anchoring, instead of me jumping in a life ship, I need to stay right here where God said to stay. They committed themselves to God's plan. They pulled up the anchors and out to sea they went. They quit trying to follow their own plan and they committed to following God's. Can I just tell you this? Even in a storm, God still has a plan. Can y'all say that with me? Even in a storm, who has a plan? God has a plan. Amen. I'm thankful for that. So commit it. They committed their way to God's plan. But secondly, they did this. They cast themselves into God's purpose. Look at verse 43. They get to the place where they, the, 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 the ship hits in verse 41. And, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the fore part, part stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken. The ship has now broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers counseled and was, they were about to kill the prisoners. That, that would have been against God's plan, wouldn't it? You remember? Not one hair on any head was going to be saved. Lest any of them should swim and escape. But the satyrian, because he believed God, willing to save Paul, kept them from that purpose. And here's what now the command is. He commanded them that could swim, uh, should, should east themselves, or cast themselves, sorry, from the sea, into the sea, and get to land. They cast themselves into God's purpose. In other words... If you could swim, get in and get swimming. You're going to make it. It's time to get, leave the boat and it's time to go swimming. You know, sometimes God's got to destroy the things we're relying on so we'll rely on Him. 
Even in the storm, God had a purpose. Even in the storm, God had a purpose. And they cast themselves into God's purpose. Lastly, I want you to see this. They grabbed hold of God's provision. They, they clutched hold of God's provision. Look at verse 44. And for the rest, you say, what's the rest? Those that couldn't swim. How many of you would be in that category? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and for the rest, guess what? The ship was broke up. Guess what happens when you have a broke up ship back in those days when they're made out of wood? There are some boards floating right there in the water. Now, you may think that's an accident that they were floating right when they needed it, but God had a plan. He knew there were some that couldn't, sw- that couldn't swim. And the Bible says, and the rest, the ones that couldn't swim, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship, they all got, got away and it came to pass, they all, or it came to pass, they escaped all safe to land. Y'all know what all means? It means all. And that's all that all means. They clutched hold of God's provision. Right there in the midst of the storm, God had a way to safety. They'd open their eyes and look for it, but right there was a board floating. How many of you would have grabbed the board and how many of you would have swam? That would be the question, right? I would probably have to do both. I would have tried to swim first and then said, where's that board? <laughs> and grabbed hold. Thank God that God had it. He provided for them in the storm. And that reminds me of this truth. Even in the storm, God will provide. How many of you believe that this morning? Hmm. Friends, when storms come, I believe God just sent me by to remind you a couple of truths this morning. Remember the presence of God. Remember the providence of God. Remember the power of God. Remember the promise of God. He'll be right there with you. He'll take you through it. And he's still got a plan and a purpose for your life. Trust in his promises. Believe in his power. Trust in his providence. And remember his presence. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you this morning. We thank you for our time together in God's word. I pray now, Lord, as we get ready for the invitation, that you just uh, have your will and way in this room as the music team comes and as the pianist plays softly this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed. Lord, I pray that you just meet the needs of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this while they're coming. No one's looking around. We're not calling you out embarrassing you. I don't do that. But I just wonder how many of you would be honest right now. Say, preacher, would you pray for me? I'm in a storm right now. And I would cherish your prayers. Any hands like that this morning? Say, I got one right now. Thank you. I see some hands. There's some storms right now in my life. And I need God's help through it. Can I encourage you? If you've never had a time or place where you put your trust in Christ, you may not understand there's a storm drawing onto you right now, but there will be one day. Why don't you put your trust in Him today? Get your salvation settled so that He'll be right there with you as you go through them. Whatever your need this morning, this altar is going to be open. They're going to sing a song here in a minute. You can come pray. You can pray there in your seat. But most importantly, if you need Christ this morning, can I tell you, He wants to save you. He's willing to do it. If He's tugging on your heart, He's showing you your need of salvation this morning, right now, get that settled before it's eternity late. You say, how? I've already told you. If thou, that's you, shall confess with thy mouth, agree with God, agree with God you're a sinner, agree with God that Jesus is a Savior, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, put your full trust weight in the gospel message, the fact that he died for you, was buried, and rose again. The Bible says, then thou shalt be saved. Not might be, not hoping so, but done deal. 
Call upon his name today. He would save you. Whatever your needs are, there's, there's workers up front to help pray with you. Whatever your needs, you come this morning as they sing. We're going to sing, My Worth is Not in What I Own. But you let the Lord work in your heart this morning. If God has spoken to you, there's personal workers all around the room. You respond to the Lord's working in your heart. in my reading. 